Check mic one. Check mic two. Oh, uh, three, I think. Check mic four. All right, guys. Um, oh shit. Guess we're ready to go. Um, are we? Are we? So, so, um, so uh, there's there's a new thing I want to try with you guys. So for every every podcast that we have at the end of Oktoberfest, I want us to all play a game. And so we're just gonna draw cards, and uh, if one says Edward Forty Hands, we all drink till we die. How's that sound? Yeah, yeah, sounds sounds accurate. Are we duct taping? Are we using duct tape, or are we just gonna like bolt them on like Guns Kimbo style? Oh, hold on, let me ask Mr. Bale. Hey, Mr. Bale. Oh, sweet Jesus, Savior, look out behind you. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please silence your cell phones and kindly shut up for our feature presentation. Shut the fuck up! Get around now, there's no time to lose. It's time for some movie reviews. Bring the drink that you choose. We've already had two. It's time for bruise and reviews. <sighs> So he, uh, so he, he says we're just gonna use duct tape, but uh, that's besides the point. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Brews and Reviews, the podcast that is already two beers in, and it is the fourth and final week of our tribute to the horror genre, Oktoberfest. After three weeks of scares and copious amounts of alcohol, the Brew Dudes are ready to bring you the final scary yarn of this wondrous holiday. As usual, I am your DD. Avery, alongside my co-host, gentlemen, introduce yourselves. <laughs> I'm Buddy Hollywood, live from a apartment in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Jesus. funny. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It is funny. I am your redneck and Yunasha, Chris. That's what they that's what my parents called me. Uh yeah. There we go. <laughs> Very Your good. mother, Kakome. <laughs> Your dad. Your dad, I Jeff am, Daniels Foxworthy. I am Brad, and uh, I am the designated drunk of the group, and throughout every podcast you find listeners listen to, you will hear this noise. That noise means that I have opened another beer, and as Avery has so eloquently put it, and one step closer to rehab. Today, I am starting off this uh, podcast drinking a beer from a company called The Brewery. And the oh, beer, original. I know. And okay. it's Vermont Sticky Maple Imperial Stout aged in bourbon barrels with maple syrup. And it is... What the full name? It is... No, no, it's called Vermont Sticky Maple, and then they have the description. But what in the whole uh, Canada? Like, it's, is that a porn? Sticky sure. Maple? You know That's it. a Canadian porn. It has mm, to be. It, yeah, like, it, it has really to be has to be. <laughs> but this thing is has the same alcohol content as wine. Oh, so this sneaks um, up on you. Uh, I, I'm gonna be pretty good today. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, man, else I, I'm drinking a normal Shiner Blonde because I'm American and I like my beer cold and cheap. Also, I got something strong later, so uh, I think that's at like 9%, so I will grab that after I finish this uh, nice, tasty beverage. I'm drinking something called 
Leffe? L-E-F-F-E. A Belgian ale. A blonde, apparently. Not bad. Are you sure it's not Hefe? No, it's not a J. It's an L. Oh. But, yeah, uh, it's pretty good. Well, no, it's it has like, like a... It has like a Chris... It's like L-E-F-F-E. It's like Le Hefe, but with an L. So it's just not as cool, but... Um, good taste to it. Imported from... It doesn't say. Subtle notes of vanilla and cloves. 6% alcohol. Can't wait for that to interact with my meds. Crazy. <laughs> and, as you, and as usual, I am drinking my Pepsi because uh, I'm the DD. The Brews and Reviews podcast brought to you by Pepsi and alcoholism. <laughs> we do not sponsor. We're not sponsored by Pepsi. But you know who we are sponsored by this week, gentlemen? Oh, man. Oh, That's man. That, that was a great. That was a it was, great. That was, that was an amazing, that was oh, amazing man. segue. <laughs> it's just downhill from here, guys. Holy <laughs> shit. That was great. Oh, man. Uh, this week. Uh, I don't want to call it Tabasco hot sauce, but I'm looking at a ball of Tabasco hot sauce, and folks, I cooked with this earlier today, and it made my food taste delicious. So gra- go grab yourself some uh, hot sauce made from Tabasco peppers. Highly mm. recommend it. Also, uh, we are sponsored by the Lake Domas Family Games Corporation because... Mm. I mean, have you played Monopoly? It fucking sucks. It takes way too long. But the games Ladomas puts out, they don't fucking suck. They don't. I put out oh. Uno. All my cousins died except me. <laughs> dude, dude, Uno is... Uno is like... That draw four. <laughs> no, no, it's that reverse card that just fucks up everybody. It's no, a disaster, the Shadow Realm. Boss, like mm-hmm. you hit him with that Yu-Gi-Oh ass combo, reverse draw four, reverse. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't playing around. I had a blue eyes white dragon in there. Not to go on too much of a chant. Well, I don't give a shit. Yu-Gi-Oh, a whole fucking economy is built off a goddamn trading card game. What the yeah. hell? Yeah, love to see it. Well, I mean, I mean, tangent. If you look at South Korea, a large portion of their GDP and economic growth over the last 10 years has been due to esports. So... They were ahead of the curve. Does it really seem that far of a stretch that a children's card game could take over the world's economy? I don't know. Maybe if it had tentacles, it'd be better. Oh, my God. Drink less, Wait, 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 wait. wait, wait. So so is our third sponsor Tentacle Grape? Seek Christ. Well, I've never had tentacle grape. If someone out there in Japan wants to ship us some, uh, feel free to go ahead and do it. And by the way, if you're listening to Japan, first off, we're sorry. Second off, tell us how you figured, found us. I mean, come on. We want to know. Yeah, and if you're listening in Japan, uh, ohayo gozaimasu. Uh, I'm Chinese. Uh, I can't speak that shit. Well, Does that mean well, we well I just all offended all of our one Japanese viewer now, so damn it. Eh, it's all right. Well, Chris, thank you for our wonderful sponsors this week. Well, guys, uh, it's time to get to what you came here for. This week, the Brew Dudes are going to be covering our last film of Oktoberfest. This week, the Brew Dudes are going to be covering Ready or Not. This is actually our second. No, our was this our third? I don't even know. Was it our second or third Samara Weaving film? This would be second. Uh, this is our this is our second Samara Weaving film. Uh, we have a third coming up thanks to. Uh, oh, yes, that that is very true. But 
be as always before we get into the breakdown of ready or not this is your spoiler warning everything that we say from this point forward will be a complete and total spoiler of this film thus if you have not sat down to watch ready or not at this point please stop the podcast go watch the film and come right back we'll wait all right you I, back? I, I won't Bitch. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah. That's because Brad's a dick. Brad, Brad wants you guys to miss out. Well, Brad also has not met our intern. Just, I still don't. Uh, you know, the intern still hasn't contacted me, guys. Oh, you told yeah, me, oh, oh, uh, you he told texted me. He'd me. Be contacting me about some recording equipment, and I haven't heard shit. Oh, he texted me, actually. Uh, shit, you not. I got a text message two nights ago at like three in the morning. I'm asleep dreaming about fucking ponies or some bullshit like that. And I get this text message saying, Chris, I need money. I'm in jail. And I'm saying it's a L.A. area code because I think Buddy hired a homeboy. And then I'm like, fuck you. I don't, I don't give donations to PETA. PETA fucking sucks. Then I hung up on him. You hung up on a text message? Yes. Yikes. It, it was weird. Because his phone is so cheap. <laughs> he has one of those know, Obama phones. <laughs> No, you know, it was I, on one of them Nokia phones that you drop and it breaks the ground. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I had, been, I had been wondering about Oliver because, you know, he was supposed to have been oh, here he had months a name. ago. He had a name? Yeah. Oh, yeah I've, been, I've, I've been wondering about him for, you know, months now. Uh, you know, I, I was kind of kind of scared for him for a second. But now that I know he's in jail, he'll I be fine. He I wonder what he did. I mean, he signed all the necessary paperwork that we're concerned about: NDAs, risk of life, loss of life, uh, Wait, risk care. of incarceration. Hold on, again, I'm the legal department. Who the hell drew up this paperwork? I mean, so, uh, Chris and I the, put it together. You know those online it. lawyers that you just pay twenty bucks to? You, you we, do we rely. Bar- well, you, know you know those? You, used, you used Fiverr for this shit. Well, Wait we talked them down to like fifteen bucks. It was a great deal for us. You know they're not licensed, right? You know, it passed a court of law when we sent it all in, so I think we're good. Yeah, I sent my taxes in like that, and I'm still here, so. <laughs> well, um, as, as I ponder how I'm going to get our intern out of jail. Why? He, he's safe. We know where he is. Oh, Yeah, county. Well, well you, know who wasn't, you know who wasn't safe? Samara Weaving in 2019 is ready or not. Ready or Not follows a young bride, Samara Weaving, as she joins her new husband, Mark O'Brien's rich, eccentric family, played by Adrian Brody, Henry Zerny, and Andy McDowell. I think it was Adam time, Brody. Uh, oh, it is, sorry. It is Adam Brody. In a time-honored tradition that turns into a lethal game with everyone fighting for their survival. And holy fuck, I have never seen a honeymoon go down as quickly as the shit that happened in this movie. Man, you haven't seen my big redneck wedding on CMT, have you? Chris, do I look like my big, ne- <laughs> big redneck wedding's general viewer? Do I? I know I'm country <laughs> as hell, but damn. <laughs> you know, all you have to do points. is just walk outside, Avery. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I have been to a couple redneck weddings. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I have been to a couple. So have I. I've been, to one in, day. I've, I've been to one in, in the back of a pickup truck. That was interesting. Okay, you beat me there. Yeah. Who doesn't want to get married in the back of a pickup truck? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> kind of, 
I'm with Buddy on that. Wait, one. wait, what kind of pickup truck? That's what I want to know. If it's uh, a Tesla Cyber truck, I'm in. Fuck that it's shit. On. It's like someone fucking watched Tron stoned off their ass. Like, oh, I'm going to design a fucking truck. And that's what All they right. came up with. Chris, Chris, I just have one sentence to say to you. And then we're going to continue with the movie review. And that is zero to 60 in 2.9 seconds. All right, continue. Avery, a tank. And here, here's <laughs> a my tank. thing. I got Jesus. your zero to 60 right here, bitch. <laughs> that's why oh, you aren't getting paid enough on your fucking corner, Chris. <laughs> Uh, Until Ivy to find me a better corner. Oh, I think you need more stamina. You know, <laughs> you know the funny part. Brought the funny part about choose. The, 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 the <laughs> this this episode has gone off the fucking rails. Let's keep that. Okay, movie. It, no, it, movie. no it, funny enough, this episode has gone off the rails just like Samara Weddings. So Samara Weaving's wedding in this damn this damn movie because from the start of this movie. You know, she's so happy. She has life in her eyes. And approximately 20 minutes in, it all goes away. <laughs> Just... She's got the range. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, this woman is so damn talented. I, I just... I, I just want to take a moment. Hell, not even a moment. I want to take a, a full set of time to just talk about how talented Smart Weaving really and truly is. Because she can go from playing characters that are absolutely adorable and sweet and you know make you want to just hug them to play an absolute psychopaths um like nicks and uh guns akimbo which we we've covered earlier and here it's one of those moments where she plays a a young lady who doesn't have family family means so much to her and it meant so much for her to join the the la damas family um and it just went so so horrible um and it and you see it in her face as things just start going just they go from bad to worse to as bad as it gets and then somehow it manages to break through the bedrock of it of rock bottom and go straight to hell um, it it's it's so amazing her range uh and i know chris is a huge fan of samara weaving oh uh buddy we got a surprise for you at the end of the episode for that me involves, yes that involves what uh, you'll know. You're oh, yeah, probably yeah, going to yeah. roll your eyes in disgust. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, so so does anyone have any any comment? Like, you know, obviously I just spent the last, I don't know, five minutes uh, philosophically, uh, you know, bowing down, simping to Samara Weaving. Does anyone uh, else have... We do that every episode. Any, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Have you seen her in Hollywood? I mean, she's fucking great. Like... She's the niece of Hugo Weaving, so, so we know Samara she has the range. Weaving, Samara Weaving, if somehow you listen to this podcast, we'd love to invite you onto an episode to review one of your own movies. <laughs> we can't really pay you, but we're entertaining as fuck. And that kind of crazy. <laughs> also, tell you, also tell us how you found out about this. Did you, like, Google your name? It's just, like, the 501st thing that popped up. We want to know. I don't... Chris... Inquiring minds. Stop. Stop. We're not 501st. We're like 5,000 of the verse. That is fair. (laughs) I heard we're big in Kazakhstan. (laughs) (laughs) All two listeners. But you know, the the funny thing is, like, you know, like like Leon brought up, she is the the niece of Hugo Weaving. So this woman comes from a pedigree. And her range and her ability to play these strange and absolutely just bizarre characters 
always somehow manages just to chew the living fuck out of scenery. Um, well, it, for her, it comes naturally. She has a natural poise about her, which uh, there's some great actors and actresses that you can kind of tell they have to work on it, but for her, you can tell it's natural. And we can can we also point out how well she portrays different accents because she's an Australian actress, right? Oh yeah, yes. Yeah. And she's able to do an American accent, you know, excellent. She's able to you when she goes into these roles, you believe she's in these roles. And you know, I understand that's the point of Hollywood, that's the point of actors, that's their job. But she does it to an extent where every movie I've seen her in where she portrays an American, I'm like, I can't believe she's Australian. <laughs> Yeah, she's so good at her accent. It's like, how does she even come up with that? It's so like... I just noticed your background. <laughs> For the users that cannot see my background, it's a snapshot of me as Chris has made a inappropriate joke. So it's two of me with the same expression, usually. Um, very meta. Man, um, I'm going to get drunk and I'm going to be so confused. <laughs> yeah, his... His edible is going to hit right now. You <laughs> buy um, blue shoes. And, and also, also, can we acknowledge that the rest of the actors in this movie did a phenomenal job portraying their characters? I mean, yeah. they had fucking uh, Winona Ryder in there. Not Winona, Winona Judd. No, yeah. what the fuck? Winona Earp. One of those fucking Winonas. From the one from the fucking sci-fi thing. Yes. That's Winona Earp. Yeah, from sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I actually uh, enjoy that show. Not gonna lie, it's fucking weird, but I love it. It is so weird. Um, um, yeah, no, all of the all of the actors did an excellent job in their roles, yeah. um, and they were really able to kind of portray the how this rich eccentric family, you know, it not only views itself but is viewed by the world and also the filming locations they did an excellent job with choosing where they were filming for this so yeah. well i i remember at some point buddy and i've had this conversation about how hollywood has turned its mind and turned its preference to films that can be shot all in one place and i i think for i think for this film having that one mansion that that one mansion is the entire set place of this film but by using the different rooms and different avenues of that mansion, it made the film seem so much larger than really what it was. And honestly, it, it became the, the mansion itself was almost a character. Um, yeah. The mansion because, is the same mansion from um, X-Men. Oh, serious? Oh, that's yeah, awesome. It's in uh, Canada. Wait, 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 was, that, was, that the same, was that also the same mansion in, I think, like one of the melodrama things? It wouldn't surprise me. I'm sure it is. I forgot which one it is. And Maiden's Tale? They had two locations for this film, but the way it was shot, it seamlessly, like, you couldn't tell it was filmed in two different locations the way they shot it. Yeah. It... I, I, I thoroughly loved the, the use of the mansion itself as this set piece that she was trying to escape this mansion for this full hour and 40-plus minute movie and it, you see the desperation and it seems like almost like the mansion itself, along with the rest of the DeMoss family, is trying to keep her there. The mansion itself is trying to keep her there because at every turn, windows are locked, doors are locked. Um, she has to try to get through the fence. The fence starts cutting in. The fence starts cutting into her back. The, you know, the elevator, like everything there is trying to hurt her. 
and is trying to keep her there so that she can be sacrificed to Mr. LaBelle. And I, I think, like, all of that was written so well that you honestly forget that they're playing a game. Like, you forget that this is literally fucking tag. Like, it hit his right. Yeah. It's like, 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 it is, it's so funny. Because we, we all played it as kids. Like, you, like, we all played yeah. it as kids. Now, nobody played it with, you know, hunting rifles and crossbows and axes. And we know of. If, if you did, we don't want to know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to be implicated. Um, that stated, we all played this game. And to us, it was so innocent. But the writers here took that idea and made it something terrifying. Because think about it. What would you do if all of a sudden like, yeah, let's play, you know, let's play hide and seek. And if I find you, you die. <laughs> like, <laughs> you ain't finding my ass. Yeah. And the, and the funny thing is, you, you think about Samara Weaving's character. She doesn't take it seriously to begin with. Like, oh, yeah. Like, I mean, like she, it'd be the same way. Yeah, she, she she's just chilling. She's sitting in the dumbwaiter a little bit. She's like, all right, I'm done with this. Gets out and then watches a girl get murdered. <laughs> like, <laughs> and can we can we just pay respects to the wait staff and butlers of that mansion? Because, man, that's the that's the worst job ever. They got mm. fucked up. By the way, how that one bait died where she just like got crushed in that service elevator I mean, oh yeah that one was that one was horrible that hurt like it's anything that's how so old the house is it wasn't built with safety regulations like that it, 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 it oh, should true, be though. damned well because you think about it think about when samar weaving is in uh i think it's the the literally the the is it where they goats i think they were goats either goats yeah, or pigs the i goat can't bodies. remember yeah, so that that ladder that breaks is so old. It like disintegrates underneath her, and then she has that. She literally has the hole in her hand from getting shot by the little boy. That she takes the hole in her hand and shoves it onto that rusty <clears throat> nail to keep herself from falling. And that was one that of the most was... painful scenes. Oof. That was the worst part of the movie for me. <laughs> like, I hate it, that stuff. <laughs> also, Samara Weaving conveys pain like no one I've ever seen before. Like. And this even goes back to her in Guns Akimbo, like her way of conveying pain. Like, is there she shows it as like a manic happiness here? Yeah. Like, you you truly believe she's in fucking pain here? Like, you almost <laughs> you almost feel it. Yourself. Yes, it is. It's it's great, man. Um, but yeah, so this this film was this film was kind of interesting. Um, my favorite character of the film was actually the youngest sister. Uh, the one who had the two little boys. Uh, she's played by Melanie Scrofano, which I can't remember her name in the film. But her character was my favorite character in the entire movie just because she's the fuck up. Like, <laughs> she, she's responsible for killing two of the waitstaff. And after she kills the second one, you see her take a line up the nose and she's like, girl, get it together. You are a winner. Pain is <laughs> a hell of a drug. <laughs> it's like... She was my favorite character throughout this movie, just because she she could not get anything right. There was nothing she could fucking do, and it even, just kept going downhill. Even when Samara Weaving was like in front of her and she was shooting at her from like point blank range, and she was just missing the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Oof, that was a that was a struggle for her. But she acted her ass off. I, I think for me, um, this movie just thrives in such a great supporting cast, where everyone has their own niche, everyone has their own hilarious little um tidbit to them and they're still sort of grounded like the 
the older brother paid by Adam Brody, who's, you know, traumatized as a child because he knows the realities of all this. And uh, he's a borderline alcoholic and he he wants to make things right. You know, he even poisons his family at the end and it doesn't kill them, but they're going to shit weird for a week, he said. Um, (laughs) And and like it's even I think for me, that almost encapsulates the movie at its core, where it's like there are stakes, but it's still hilarious and still like. It's, it still flows really well and um, yeah I thoroughly enjoyed this film you know also, I, you also got to see a lot of personality um, like like you were saying Avery with the uh, the fuck up sister <laughs> yeah um, and then uh, I'm terrible with the names of the actors as well as their characters in the movie sorry but uh, the big guy the, the bigger guy he was kind of like almost comic relief half the time oh yeah yeah. Oh yeah, because uh, he was trying yeah, to YouTube like, crossbows. Yeah, he's trying to figure out how to use the crossbow, and like you're sitting there and you're like, the fuck? Like, shouldn't his <laughs> family understand this is a possibility? Shouldn't they already know their weapons? Like just in case. You <laughs> but, know? I mean, it, but you know, I think that's the thing though, because as the movie's going on, especially once it starts, they they're saying this has only happened once in you know like four marriages or something like that the last time it happened was when adrian brody's character got traumatized um Mm. when he was a little kid so this it's easily been 20 30 years at this point since the last time this occurred so none of them thought it was a good thing and so my wife and i had a whole conversation um about this like well did they know you know did the new members of the family know and if they did know did they think it was real like Obviously, mm. they're told they have to play a game, so they're thinking, all right, we just play a game. And they're probably told, hey, if somebody pulls, you know, hide-and-seek, they have to die. And in their mind, and think realistically, all right, so if someone pulls the hide-and-seek card, we have to kill them? They're thinking, oh, yeah. haha, it's it's a funny thing. Um, but little did you know, it's actually real. I find out. And one of the characters is saying, like, oh, when I got married, and I, uh, the card I drew was chess. Yeah, and it was literally a game of chess. Like, there's no, yeah. <laughs> it's just this one card that it, yeah, murder, murder happens essentially. Yeah, which you know, the funny thing I actually really want to talk to you about, you know, the the murder aspect or at least the card aspect, um, <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh! was well, it's not even the Yu Gi Oh aspect; it's the demonology aspect. This film has so much throwback to demonology and, and what's going on there. Is like so. Anyone that doesn't know jack shit about demonology, mythology, all that crap. Don't uh, use a Ouija board. Yeah, don't, don't do that. Uh, that That's why I almost Skyped in. <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Le, like the, the, Mr. LaBelle's character is Bale. He's one of the demons in the lesser, uh, the lesser Key of Solomon, which is said to have trapped all the demons that were on the planet during the time of King Solomon. Okay, Furthermore, right. Damas was a famed demonologist. So here you have the family, La Damas, uh, where they're able to create this card company. So they're, they're named after a demonologist, and their patron is literally the devil. Quite literally the devil. And I, I thought it was so interesting. There were so many like throwbacks to so many throwbacks to the occult while still making fun of it. Like everyone's thinking, like, yo, are they serious about this shit? <laughs> or at the very <laughs> end. Very end where it's like the, the uh, I think the great the ant, I think it was the oh, ants, yeah. pulls out the pulls back the curtain and it's like sunlight, uh, <laughs> yeah, sunlight, and they're all hiding in fear like vampires. Then they all get up and the bigger dudes like 
Now what? This is I knew this is all bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Blows up. That, that scene was funny because I like how oh, everybody man. everybody at first when I first watched the movie in theaters out there we're gonna like look at Samara Weaving's character and be like shit our bad yo um like, <laughs> but i did like how they were like well she knows too much <laughs> like there's some like yeah, she yeah. still has to die uh, apparently in the original draft uh she did die at the end and they ended up changing it well so we'll we'll talk about the end in a little bit because i actually i i heard that as well and i kind of had some thoughts on the uh the end and how it could have been done either way just as well but how i prefer the way that they ended it this way and we'll get into that in a little bit but uh, i kind of wanted to go off of avery's um talk about demonology and uh like folklore things of that nature and i'm trying to remember the uh exact name and i just found it actually um there's a place in ireland called and i could be completely wrong but you know sorry listeners the hellfire club i don't know if you guys have heard no, about no, this particular oh. <laughs> you were trying to make i thought it was gonna be some like long irish word like see i hear hellfire club and my geek senses pick up i'm like x-men x-men pick up and i've watched too many ghost adventures and there's a rockabilly oh, yeah, song yeah. about there's a rockabilly yep. song about it so. you know the rockabilly song i know the rockabilly song okay. i actually knew about the hellfire club uh from like multiple sources and then i saw it on ghost adventures then i heard it on the podcast lore what is and it i heard the so um the story is uh it's this club that gentlemen would go to play at and it was known for its uh like you know, the, it's more or less they, the Irish version of like uh, skull and bones, kind of. Yeah, hmm. and one day a a stranger came to play cards, and somebody dropped something and looked under the table and realized that the stranger had hooves, and it was the devil coming to play cards. So like, uh, when well, that's they were terrifying. Saying, they were saying the way that it's chosen is through cards. I was like, Hellfire Club. Mm, I like that. I like and that. So, they put and, some thought into this. Yeah, yeah. even if that wasn't the connection they were going for, that's the connection I made, and I thought that was really kind of cool because as uh, I absolutely love folklore, I have books on it. I have, um, I actually have a book, and it is the dictionary on world folklore and demons, and it is oh hell no, and it is nine hundred pages, and it is a literal dictionary where it just has the demon or folklore, and then a brief description. At the Necronomicon. Are you okay? Uh, so, 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 so Brad, on, uh, hold on, hold on. I was about to say real quick, um, Brad, if you ever bring that shit around an old black grandmother, you will yeah. get your ass kicked. Like saying Candyman five times. Funny story. You're going to get dumped in holy water. Funny story. I did bring it uh, around an old black grandma. And you still alive? Yeah, and you're yeah, you're alive. And she probably threw holy water on you. To me, her response to me was, child, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> That's her response I, to you now. And then, and then I explained to her that I do it to find different inspirations for different stories and different ideas. And she was like, as long as you aren't summoning the devil while I'm here, I don't care. <laughs> That's accurate. Yeah, I was about to say that's very accurate. <laughs> was that that was definitely in Texas, I imagine. That sounds like more of a Texas thing. That was here in California. Okay, yeah, this, that also works. See, because yeah. all all I'm thinking in the back of my mind is my aunt, like my auntie, and she's I love my auntie, y'all. She she sounds like Medea, and all I can think in, in her mind is like, 
I can just she she really does sound like Medea. It's not a joke. <laughs> I, I, all I can think of her is be like, uh uh-uh, uh, boo boo, that's the devil. Uh uh-uh. uh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like walking out. <laughs> Amen. Mm-hmm. Not touching any of that. But you know, no, I, there's I just, there's so I, many I, movies about why you shouldn't do that. Do that. Yeah. I, I just uh, I really did find it interesting how they how they really did kind of look into different aspects of folklore. They looked in different aspects of demonology and spirituality and all this other stuff to kind of make this cult that this family is a part of seem very realistic, but at the same time, cartoonish. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, it's like the family folklore. is cartoon. Sorry. Uh, I was going to no, say no. the family is cartoonish, but the the stakes are real. They're set inside yeah. real. Yeah. yeah. Well, I actually, actually want to follow up on the cartoon. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was going to say that kind of drives the same thing that you might be going into this, but a creepy ass song. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to talk yeah. about. Yeah. Uh, the, the, was it like run, run, run? Like, like, like if I heard that anywhere, I might nowadays, like as a kid, maybe like, okay, it's a song. Nowadays, I'm like, I'm going to die. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh shit, it's about to it, go down. We all gonna die. Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of it's kind of funny you mention that because I've uh I recently purchased Far Cry five because I'm a huge fan of Far Cry and I'm waiting on Far Cry six. Um and the theme of Far Cry five is about cults and specifically mm. Christian cults. Oh yeah, that's right. And oh that's the, right. The, yeah, yeah. And the thing is the music that plays during scenes that are meant to be like terrifying and fear inducing is all gospel. And it, <laughs> And it, it like and I'm dead serious. It is terrifying. And I'm looking I'm looking at Buddy's like back screen, like as soon as I said the word gospel. And like that that's that's like that was my that was my face when I started to realize like, oh, oh, religion is scary as hell. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Dare we say like, bad religion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think Brad so, knows where I'm going with that. Chris, but I'm just a twenty first century digital boy. Her, her mom is on Valium. But I got a lot of toys. Hey, 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 buddy, this is a white people thing, I'm guessing. Yeah. I, I can't tell if they're, like, subtly mad at each other or it's just going to be like, like, what was that old joke we used to do? And I hope your daughter marries a reasonable man that has great credit and she's happy, bitch. <laughs> so it's like the most aggressive, the most aggressive insult Backhanded yeah. compliment ever. <laughs> yeah. Or like, I'm gonna take your mom out to a nice seafood dinner, and I'm not gonna call her back. It's yeah. like, oh, you bastard! Bastard. <laughs> um, you know the sad part is, I, I'm pretty sure Samara Weaving's character kind of wishes he would have taken her out to a seafood dinner and not called her back after yeah. all that shit. Yeah. I mean, um, I think after like seeing that first murder, she's like, should have stood him up. Yeah. I'm <laughs> She doesn't inherit the money either, does she? No, no she, she, she didn't care about the money. She more cared about the idea of having yeah, family. a family yeah. and someone to go she was an orphan. to and share a life with. Right, she, right. she really didn't care about the money. But you know what? The, what I was going to say involves the end, so I'll wait till we actually get to the end. Yeah, and, it's, and, uh, you know, it, it, I, you know we, my wife and I talked about it. Because I, I don't remember if they said it implicitly, but it's sort of alluded to that she's an orphan. You know, that she she grew up I, without a family. I think they, like, briefly mentioned it at the very yeah. beginning. Yeah, yeah. I, I, very, I can't remember briefly. it specifically. But, you know, you have this girl who, that's all she cares about is the idea of a family. Like, really and truly, 
and this this will make some people mad. This is a girl who only gave a fuck about being a wife. That's what she wanted to be. She wanted to be someone's wife. She wanted to have a family. She wanted to have this connection. And yeah. that 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 whole ideal for her became so destroyed when all of a sudden this family that's supposed to take her in and love her begins to hunt her. And for a while you see her you see her her husband try to help her because he doesn't want her to die. He's trying to get her to leave. And you hear it so many times before that he tried to get her to elope. He, he's like, we can just elope. We can do this. We can do that. But at the same time, he also knew this was going to happen no matter what. He knew if they didn't play the game, they both were going to die. So, yeah. no, so no matter what, she wasn't going to get the family she wanted. And I think, I think that's such a, a like demoralizing point that no matter what, she was never going to get what she wanted out of and, this whole situation. And honestly, the like in some for some people, not having a sense of family and a sense of belonging in that family group is almost a worse like sentence than death. Yeah. And it's it's also really interesting seeing her character kind of go from uh almost not quite, but almost like the 1920s, 1930s characteristic of a model wife or a model uh fiance to being an independent feminist woman like mm-hmm. uh and they they did it it wasn't explicit the way they did it but that was another thing i kind of got from her character development over the time, uh course of the movie yeah and i guess to that point you even see some of that in the other characters like adam brody He's By almost the way, with us. Ad, Adam Brody. Adrian Brody has a bigger Oh my nose. god, you're right. Yes, Adam Brody. I think I probably said Adrian earlier too. Uh, my mistake. We, we, we uh, both Adam have. Brody. Yeah. Um, and well, they're definitely not interchangeable. A, let me just get a sound. Let me just get a sound bite of you saying the first name and I'll change it. Gracias. Um, <laughs> Adam Brody. Uh, he has he has a great part in um, after he lets her go, he gives her like 10 seconds to run and even he is almost with that family begrudgingly into him. That's almost like, like you said, a death sentence and that he doesn't want to be a part of him. He's, he's realized that he knows what his family is, how they got their money and that eats at him. And um, even his wife is, she's on the opposite end of that. She's like, she says, I'd rather be dead than not have any of this money. And then lo and behold, she gets turned into um, meat soup at the end of it. Or uh, my favorite thing was that one of my favorite lines was at the beginning where, uh, Adam Brody's uh, brother, I can't remember the, the character's name. Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they're having a conversation with the dad. It's like, you've been a good father. And the dad was like, you've been a son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, Ouch. Oh, this is those kind of movies. You know, that's, that's, right. a, that's, a, that's a white person line if I ever did hear one. <laughs> mm-hmm. like, like, almost as white as just putting a, like, no paprika in food. Like, like let's, be, let's be real. I am the disappointment of the family. So, you know. <laughs> hey, don't, I, I I, at least this. you're not as so, bad as our friend Patty. Oh, God Fred. damn it. You know what? I'm going to censor his name, but I know exactly what you're saying. So no, um, At least you graduated and, college. Point. Dude, hold up. If, I, if you ever hear you, this, uh, you know you have my number. Feel free to text me and bitch at me. Well, I'm Let's, censoring his name, so you won't know. But he like, might. He will. This, well, see, <laughs> Assuming is, he's sober. Like, and this, you know, the crazy thing is, like, you know, Adam Brody's character is like 
despite that, the one, my favorite character being the fuck up of the family, Adam Brody's character is the, the literal fuck up of the family. Like, he's mm -hmm. the borderline alcoholic. He's the one that doesn't want to do anything, especially when he gives her the 10 second head start. He's counting like one. 1.10 like he just like he like <laughs> he like sits down and he's like sipping his scotch and he's, he's like and like, he calls him and they're just like where, where is she he's like oh she got away <laughs> just and, <they're>, like, <laughs> and, and he's they're just looking at him like like you're you're such a fuck up and this that and the other and, like his wife is looking at him like she, she's so angry and it is that begrudging moment where he's basically this is where you start to see the wheels in his head turn like you know what? Because there's a point, I, I want to say it may be 10, 15 minutes after that, uh, but you hear him say, we all deserve to die. Like, like, mm. like you hear him say, you hear him say that about his family because he's just like, no, he's like, we all deserve this. Um, yeah. Because he's, he even, he realizes that this, this family is not worth it. And the promise that they made to this girl in order to get her there, to sacrifice her, was was beyond human and yeah. the character his character you see the most turn from that was the aunt because at the beginning of the movie you see the hunt from the last time that it happened which was the aunt's wedding and oh, yeah. her and her husband runs into young adam brody and the brother and adam brody's character takes the little brother puts him in the thing and tells him to hide and adam brody's character squeals on the dude um but he didn't want his little brother to see that. Didn't want his little brother to have to go through this. Adam and Brody's I, the main character, the main husband, guys. God damn it! <laughs> we have fucked up. You have fucked this uh, up poorly. Whatever. I'm just gonna hold no, on. No, so what's he, the? He's he's like in the right direction though. Yeah, they. Yeah. He he put the younger brother in the closet, so yeah. he didn't see what happened. Younger brother grows up to marry Samara Weaving. Young Adam Brody is fucked no, up. No, that's not Adam Brody. <laughs> It's the older brother. We are just so no, bad. No, it names. isn't. Who's Wait, the we're... older brother, Chris? The older brother is the. Oh, he... Adam Brody. Shit, you're right. Yes. Thank yes. you, God damn it. Yes. You know what? They're all white. They all look the same. Drink more Pepsi. <laughs> no, I need another beer. I'll be right back. We can just chuck that out, anyways. <laughs> yeah, the, we, we don't sponsor that. <laughs> Uh, another thing that uh, I also found really interesting about this movie is it is a visualization, like basically. God damn it, Chris! What the fuck are you doing over there? Chris is moving furniture to get to beer. <laughs> Worth it. Was it? Did you have to like kill a deer and move its corpse to get to your fridge? Yes. And all that noise. Uh, um, uh, yes. Um, because this beer is called a Necrolift. Necrolift. Censored. Necro with L I T H, and it is. Oh my god. 11% alcohol. Oh, this Sweet. is going to be fun, right? Uh, um, but this movie is a great uh, cinematic version of the trolley problem. Uh, what is that? Yeah, yeah. I have no idea what that is. Someone explain so it. So the, the trolley problem is there is a trolley going to, uh, there's a train going down a track, and the track splits into two places. And the way the track is split right now, there's a lever, right? And the lever is flipped to where if it goes down that track that the lever's flipped to, it'll kill 100 people. Or you can't, you are the only one who can flip the switch to kill one person, but that's somebody you love. What do you do? Tokyo Drift, that motherfucker. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, but 
So the trolley problem, like in the in the regards of this movie, is um, the husband is going is trying to save the person he loves, as opposed to the the rest of the family. Even though they may be family, he doesn't really feel the same connection with them as he does with her. So in his eyes, he's flipping the switch until the end, where he realizes the good of the many outweigh the good of the few. Yeah. So it 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 is the trolley problem in a cinematic telling. Speaking speaking of the end of this movie, yeah, the the end of this movie actually caught some kind of backlash, and I don't know what? how I feel about it. Yeah. No. So for anyone it was who hilarious. So so again, for anyone who decided to listen to this whole damn thing and not watch the movie, spoiler. you're stupid. <laughs> you're stupid. The the movie ends with. Them attempting to sacrifice Samara Weaving's character to Mr. LaBelle as they're chanting Hail Satan. Um, yep. I thought way, she was going to die there, way, if I'm being before honest. Before we get into that, before we get Hail into the Santa. ending, before we get into the ending, this is why I imagine what happens. Political content detected. Political content destroyed. Well, so you have this girl strapped to this table as they're chanting this demonic shit and she ends up managing to get up after a whole bunch of people have died. So we're, we're at this point we've seen we've seen Adrian Brody's character. Oh, excuse me. Adam Brody's character die by getting shot by his wife as he shoots at Samara Weaving's character and he takes the bullet. Sacrifice. We've seen we've seen the butler die or presumably die in a car crash. We see, we see another maid die in the most painful way possible. Yeah, she gets a maid catches an arrow to the throat and then is beheaded. Um, yeah, and then, you know, and so at oh, this the, point, the mom dies oh, and her face then got smashed in. The mom Hammer got her smashed face, face. She got her face smashed face. in with the box of cards used to enact the ritual. And so Samar Weaving's character somehow manages to get up. She has a knife and she's she's like backed up into a corner to play them all off and all of a sudden they're so worried about morning approaching that they don't realize it is fucking morning mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then we get that great scene that, that Chris brought up about you know about the aunt opening the window it's like no it's morning it's like we <laughs> failed and and all of a sudden awkward you know pause. Yeah, it's like it's really that awkward pause because everybody's like oh shit oh wait a minute uh damn oh shit uh so now what and, yeah, it's basically that, that now one moment. And then the aunt all of a sudden is like, you know, she's like, she's like, I won't fail you, Mr. Bell. She still will die. Hell. And then as soon as she says, as soon as she says it, she blows the fuck up. Like it is Doom 64. Like, Not 64. <laughs> By the way, uh, Doom 64, great video game. God damn, it really was. was great. Shout out the entire Doom franchise. Fuck us yeah. up. And so she she blows up and everybody else is just like, oh shit. So then it's then it this turns into almost a comical version of people repenting immediately. <laughs> and you know, you start watching people blow up bit by bit. I thought it was funny because you have, you know, my favorite fuck-up character. She runs out with her two little kids. Now, this is the part that caught the controversy because people were like, well, why did the kids have to die? And here is my thought. Those little fuckers were evil. Um, well, didn't they, like, help? Weren't they at, yeah. like, the edge of the table, like, smiling, like, oh, we get to see our first murder. Some white people. <laughs> yeah. 
essentially, and that's what people were saying, well, the kids are innocent. I was like, no, they're not. Because once once we first enter the movie, the kids are actually wearing the mask, running around, playing, playing as if they're going to murder somebody. Yeah. Second, when Samara Weaving's character is in the, the goat house, the little kid <laughs> shoots her. Knocked him <laughs> and, out. And she, 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 she literally <laughs> says, you little fucker, and punches him in the face. Um, I already thought she was going to kill him when I saw it, and I was like, they're not going to... Okay, that's funny. Just punch him yeah, in the face. And I really thought she was going to kill him. And so that little kid even says later on that he was trying to help because that's what everybody else was doing. And the third thing is, these kids have... The whole point of this curse is that anyone who benefits from that money... Anyone who takes that money in their life is better because of it. It had then has that curse. So, yeah. and they also started talking about at one point, and it's not really brought up later on, that because members of their family have died, the new members take their places and needing the sacrifice. So, I think when the mom died and Adam Brody's character died, the two kids slipped into their spots for the sacrifice. And so, uh. and so when you have. You know, the, the fuck-up mom runs with the two kids out, and next thing you know, you see that, like, geyser of blood shoot back through the window. <laughs> it's like, it was the funniest <laughs> damn thing I've ever seen. And I remember watching a making of and watching how they did the scene, and they said oh, the little... yeah. And they said the little kids were laughing so hard. Because <laughs> <laughs> they, they also did it all with practical effects. Yeah. yeah. And, and, it, and camera tomfoolery. Yeah. Like, it was... Um, it was I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> uh, so I, I do have a few things to say about the end of the movie. So one of the things we pointed out was in the original ending of the movie, uh, Samara Weaving's character was killed. So part of me thinks that that would have been a really interesting end of the movie because then you don't know if that curse is real. Yeah. So so it kind of, it kind of shows, if it was that ending, it kind of shows the... Um, uh, how religious zealots view religion. Yeah. Everything is to a T, but you don't know if it's actually real. So it's, it was kind of showing that point. If you know, her character died at the end, you don't see the rest of the characters die. You know, was the curse real or is this family just fucking insane? I mean, right, they're right. insane, but you know, um, they're white the people insane. Is, well, yeah, but that's, you know, that's normal. Um, <laughs> the the other thing is, um, I was really confused because shouldn't, ha shouldn't she have died as well? Because she was already married. He probably she spared had, her. She, well, well no, she hadn't benefited from he, the money yet. If you notice at the very, and also at the very mm. end, right before her husband, uh, done gone and oh, blow, get yes. blown up, she says, I want a divorce, goes to ring back, and he explodes. Oh, okay, okay. So, in the, so, like, contractually, that's... We, we don't according need to, to go demon, into this. Yeah. According but, to demon logic. Well, I, 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 I buy that. See, my thought process was always that she had, she had yet to benefit from the family money. She had yet to use any of that money because it, it was always his paying for something for her. But she wasn't using it. Therefore, she was not officially part of the curse until she herself benefited from it. That was my thought. Look at it, honestly. Also, I love her last two lines of the movie. Oh, Where, fuck. Well, after her husband throws up, she's just looking around like, oh, fuck. Uh, also, but, but the other really it, yeah. good When she's sitting at this. She's sitting out, smoking a cigarette. What happened here, miss? 
In-laws. In-laws. <laughs> so okay. this... Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, no, no wait, you, you go. Uh, I, I can right. save mine till the end. So this is just real quick. I just wanted to, to point out the, the visual aspects of this. Beginning of the movie, you see Samara Weaving all white. She's so happy. This She's wearing all white. She's the, the pure... By the way, she... Like, goddamn, she looks good in that, like... <laughs> With a wedding dress. Can she, we she, just say like how just flat out gorgeous she is? Chris, she, she, is that she, is that how you want to see Taylor Swift on your wedding day? Well, well, yeah. Till like uh, you know, she puts me in a satanic music cult. Oh Lord! Anywho, you're already in there. <clears throat> Anyways, continue, Avery. So, you're a satanic so anything, music it's cult. It's called being in a band with you. Uh, so, <laughs> so, 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 anywho, you see her at the beginning of the movie. She's in this this white dress. She is the pure virginal bride, quote unquote. At the end of the movie, I loved how as she's walking out of this flaming mansion, her dress has been caked with so much dirt and so much blood. The dress is black. Straight fucking black. Brutal. And, and you're Down looking at her expression. There is no life left in her eyes. <laughs> and there's no life left in her voice when she talks to the firefighters when they ask what happens to her. So it's like you watched her complete character transformation over the movie in her dress, just in the yeah. way. Because the dress starts out as a normal wedding dress, and then all of a sudden she tears off. Like, she, well, she takes off her, her heels, to, and so she could go just, and then she starts to run, so she puts on her sneakers, and then she tears off the hem of her mm-hmm. dress. And then all this other stuff begins to happen to the dress, but in the movie, it's completely transformed into this remnant of her once happy marriage. Like, they, I think they even made that yeah. a point. If you watch the extras... Uh, if you, they do a thing with the costume designer, and they had that in mind on purpose, and I thought yeah. like it was kind of cool of how they, it almost does make that dress seem like almost a different like uh, her and her inner character essentially. Yeah, and it's it's really amazing the thought that went behind so many aspects of this movie, from the set set design characters their costumes you know that uh, like how everything evolved in this movie there was a lot of thought process in this movie um so you know all right hey, Chris, so, i didn't yes. mean to cut you off so you were going to say something oh yeah so uh with that this brings up uh what i'd like to call the bruiser abuse samara weaving cinematic universe hear me oh, out man. hear me <laughs> out God. Damn it. So we review Guns Akimbo and we see her play Nyx, who is a complete psychopath. Mm-hmm. Now, let's mm-hmm. just say, for yes. the Bruce and View Cinematic Universe, this is her backstory and why she became batshit crazy. Because, you know, she had to deal with them fucked up white people in laws who are a satanic mm-hmm. cult and therefore. And she, saw Satan. Mm-hmm. And she saw yes. She literally saw him. <laughs> and she yes. done gone crazy and, like, you know, tries to kill uh, Harry Potter for a good hour and a half. So, yes, uh, I am proposing a uh, Samara Weaving cinematic universe because why the fuck not? And every movie from now on, you're going to add on to this cinematic universe. Oh, it's going to get batshit crazy, and someone's going to probably say, you're a moron. Why are you doing this? You're besmirching your good name. Well, you know what? Fight me. That's, that's fair. Oh, but man. ladies and gentlemen, I believe we have entered the end. So we need to figure out how many fucking beers it takes to watch this movie. Uh, Avery, usually you introduce this section. I did it this time. Okay. uh, Lame. Oh, man. Well, well, I was about to say, well, before we get that, we want to remind you fond viewers of the Bruise Review scale of film reviews. So 
unlike most film reviews, the Bruising Review Scale is a little different. Our scale starts at a one, which meaning a one is the best possible thing you can get unless we exercise our once a year zero beer review. Since our scales run from one to five, one being the best, five being the absolute worst, if we rate a film at a one, it means you can watch it without taking a beer at all, but your beer is simply for your own enjoyment. And a five means you need all the beers to get through that bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Now, gentlemen, as we have finished 2019's Ready or Not, how many beers does it take to watch some more Weaving's storybook wedding unfurl? Uh, We'll start with Buddy. Yeah, because I probably look the most confused on the chat. Um, (laughs) I, I, I feel like I do this all the time where I'm just like, you could watch it sober, but you know what? Uh, let me amend this a tiny bit. You could watch it sober, but if if you want to have like a good a good buzz going on and get into it, um, I, I'd say um, my official score is one. If you want to have fun? Two, three. <laughs> <laughs> but the official score is a one. Official score is a one. Yes. Uh, I give it a two, and I I love this movie. I thought it's it's great. It's hilarious when it needs to be. It's uh, like it makes it does make you anxious when it needs to. But uh, I enjoyed this kind of drunk, and I'm giving it a two because it made it really fun for me. Uh, for me, I'm going to give it a I would say a one point five. Um, I watched it completely sober, but I think. I think that watching this movie slightly tipsy um, would make you enjoy it just a little bit more. Like the movie is great on its own. It's great storytelling, great acting, um, great overall. But I think a little alcohol would definitely help you enjoy the movie just a little bit more and help you get into these batshit theories like our Samara Weaving cinematic universe. Um, So um, what do you mean batshit crazy? It's a great idea. It's also the result of a lot of alcohol and maybe that edible finally kicking in. <laughs> <laughs> so no mine is a one point five. <laughs> okay, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with Chris on this. I'm gonna give it a two. Um, I think there were certain aspects of this movie that could have could have greatly benefited from the ending being changed to the original ending. I think that would have been a really interesting way to view this movie. Um, And I also really think that maybe giving us like a deeper dive into the cult craziness would have been kind of cool. I know they did like a few flashbacks and a few callbacks to the different things that have happened uh, over time, but I kind of wanted a little more of that just to kind of like make this cult family seem like officially fleshed out and and real um so i'm gonna go with the two which brings our score officially to a 1.6 and i'm wondering should we guys should we just round that down to a 1.5 fuck no we round we round it up to a two come on use math here uh i i am round it up you idiot if it's yeah, over but, five, but you round point, it up. You said one point six. But it, but, it, but it's a point. But point five. You know what? I'm gonna I, Chris. I'm overriding you. We the booze and reviews guys are officially giving. You're this a film shitty Jew. You need to go back five. to math school. Oh, math well, school. Well, guys, you heard it here. The booze reviews dudes give 2019s ready or not 
a 1.5. Oh, oh man. It works. <laughs> Damn, you're an idiot. Well, as, as Chris has uh, slowly going into a conniption, we've entered the final phases of this podcast. Um, but before we let you guys go, guys, what are you guys geeking on? There has to be something that's going on outside the world of cinema that has your attention. Getting Brad Math on hooked phonics. Oh my god. <laughs> hooked on mathematics. Wait, hooked I said that wrong. Yeah, that, that beer's no, taking it. No, that, that was funny. It was still oh, funny. That beer, is, that beer is definitely hitting me. It's a good, it's a good um, ass beer. That so, is. Uh, Neither I'm, of you can do math right. What are you <laughs> drinking? <laughs> um, I've been uh, geeking out on. Actually, there's a YouTube channel called Today I Found Out. Mm. And my parents already know, and my girlfriend already knows, I am a slew of fucking useless information. I've known that Me for too. years. And, Me too. <laughs> and I've been watching Today I Found Out to to get more knowledge on my useless information. Uh, so, man, there was one episode I watched last night where they were talking about something I already knew because I'm a slew of useless information. Where the British during World War II were seriously contemplating building an aircraft carrier out of ice blocks. And they were doing it out of a material called pyrite, I believe, pyrite, pyrite, Pyrite. um, where it is 10 to 15 percent wood pulp or paper pulp and then the rest water. And when you make pyrite, it is bulletproof. Huh. So if you were to shoot a block of ice with a 50 caliber bullet, it would blow up. But if you were to shoot a block of pyrite, uh, pyrite, whatever, pycrete, pycrete, pycrete. Uh, if you were to shoot a block of pycrete, pycrete. with the same mm-hmm. with the I same 50 caliber bullet, breaks. it just takes a chunk off of it instead of blowing it up completely. And a prototype was made that would have been one tenth the scale of the aircraft carrier the British wanted to make. And it took... Four fucking years to melt. Good God. Should put that so, in, the, in the Arctic. Save us from global warming. Yeah. Saved us from <laughs> a, a crappy movie called Abominable. <laughs> God fucking damn it. So I, I just, I, I, I love that channel. I really do love getting useless information. Um, and I found that really interesting. But uh, why don't we go, uh, buddy? What you been geeking on, my boy? Um... I'm good. Um, I had some good news drop recently that I feel pretty good about. Um, I guess I still have to remain anonymous. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm writing a movie for Will Smith's company. Um, Jada Pinkett Smith's uh, brother is involved in it. So um, yeah, so I'm excited about that. So I'm looking into uh, true stories. I guess I'm trying not to spoil too much about what it is and who I am, but um, yeah, very excited about this new project. It's my first big project. And so, um, you know, I'm diving in feet first, excited to get this uh, started and excited to uh, make a movie. Really nice. excited for it. You, you know, I just I do want to point out when you become famous, you better still be doing this fucking podcast. I know. I, Dave, I'll, I'll have to famous, retweet it anonymously. On this. That's my goal. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to just treat it anonymously. Yeah. Avery, I mean, uh, what about you, dude? Uh, what's up with you this week? Oh, shit, man. Uh, oh, wait, wait. Satan just appeared in my room. We need to end this episode. I need to have a chat the, with him. What, it's what, that what hot. The, 
It's mm-hmm. that hot. It's, yeah, dude. It's God 117. California hit a hit a heat wave. It's because Satan was coming to visit. We're having a chat, having a beer. So uh, I really hate to cut this off. But Do they serve I'll beer be, in I'll hell? Be right there. Hey, Tom, ask them book. if they serve beer in hell. Do they serve beer in hell? Only Natty Light. Yes, yes, but only Natty Light. Yeah, that's actually what he said. Um, uh, yeah, go ahead and go in the fridge. I got some for you. At least it ain't big there. At least it ain't big flats. So, you know, guys, until next time, this is the Bruiser Reviews, guys. I am Brad. I'm Buddy. I'm Chris. I guess I'm Avery. What no, the you're fuck not. is happening? You're not, not anymore. Hey, you know what, guys? We will see you at the movies. Later. Thank you for listening to this week's episodes of Brews and Reviews. As always, Brews and Reviews would like to thank you for tuning in. And if you liked what you just listened to, please subscribe to the podcast, give them a like, leave a review, comment on the episodes, and tell your friends about the cast as it really helps the algorithm get the show out there. If you want to follow the Brew Dudes on social media, check them out at the Brewcast Crew on Twitter and the Brews and Reviews Pod on Instagram, where they post information about current and upcoming episodes, and so that you never miss a second of their drunken adventures. The Brews and Reviews Podcast drops regular episodes the first and second Wednesdays of each month, as well as special deep cuts episodes once a month and is available on every major streaming service, so be sure to check back for more inebriated mishaps. So, until next episode, we'll see you guys at the movies. Bye!